Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment. It's comic book day, so that probably means he's reading comics. I mean, he reads a lot of comics. But running the boards is Joey D's Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes, it is comic book day. That means Vicky will be speaking with a longtime friend of the show, Neil Gibson, about his new comic book venture. We will also be talking about Loki because it's Wednesday, which also means it's Loki day. We got to talk about it. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. <laughs> .com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. 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 <laughs> <laughs> or just search for BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube iTunes and the Odyssey app. Exactly. Lots of ways to get a hold of us, to also uh, send us an email, bjgeeknationgmail.com. That's always a fun way to uh, get your thoughts uh, about certain things, whether it be uh, maybe some of the strange, random stuff that Vicky talks about for the Geek Sheet, or whether or not you love or hate the Loki show. You can let us know with all of that. Or even if you're really excited about a comic book project, and, well, it looks like we've got someone on the line, and we don't want to keep them any longer, do we, Vicky? Nope. All right, guys. Next up, we have somebody who's no stranger to the podcast, somebody I always seem to harass, whether they're here in Seattle or we're calling them across the pond, uh, Mr. Neil Gibson. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, thank you for harassing me again. I, I very much enjoy it. It's one of the few simple pleasures in life. <laughs> but I'm a huge fan of your work. In fact, uh, I recently got a new bookshelf for all my comic books, and I have... Tw- all my twisted darks, my theatrics, everything like on a special shelf so it's most visible because those are some of my favorite ones. <laughs> I'm not saying I always this. liked you. Ha! I'm not saying it's a kiss your booty. I'm just telling you the uh, the facts here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you have excellent taste. Oh well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and for those who may not be familiar with your work, uh, what is tell us a little bit about Twisted Dark and why they should be reading it right now. Oh, actually, it's not for everyone. So um, some people like happy stories with rainbows and, and romance. And this is not for you if you like that stuff. Uh, my stuff is, is more like Black Mirror or The Twilight Zone or Tales of the Unexpected. I, I like stories that make me think, that uh, surprise me. And I, and, I wanna, and I want to reread and think about it afterwards. So that's what I try and make with Twisted Dark. So it really isn't for everyone. <laughs> but if you like stuff that's... Uh, and also what I like is having something that fits together. So I love f- movies where um, you're completely confused until the last 10 minutes and suddenly it all makes sense. <laughs> it's true. Like the, the game with Michael Douglas, I love that film, David Fincher. If you haven't seen that, go watch that. Um, so what I do with Twisted Dark is that they're all short stories. They're all self-contained. But when you read through several volumes, you start realizing that it all tied together and it's all one massive storyline. So you can get more from rereading it. That's what Twisted Dark is. And there's plenty of issues out there. And the cool thing is you can like pick it up anywhere and read it and like have an idea of what's going on, which I really enjoy. But I'm, I'm very much a completionist. I like to start from the very beginning to the very end. Um, so for those who do know Twisted Dark and maybe you're like, wait, what's what's this thing I'm seeing? You got a Kickstarter going on, a uh, theatrics, uh, volume two. What's uh, what's going on here? Uh, that's that's my, um, my new book. It, it's it's finally out. The second volume that that. You know, that concludes the story. Uh, it's set in the 1920s. It's about uh, this actor at that time. Broadway was the biggest uh, 
sort of box office draw, as it were. And he's living the fast life. He's, he's famous and good looking and living the fast life. And then one night he walks home after a party. This is during Prohibition in America. And he's drunk and he gets beaten up, mugged and left for dead. And because of that, he loses everything. He loses his, his looks, his job, his money, his apartment, his girl, everything. But it's what he does next that gets interesting. Um, and in volume one, it's, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but what happens is he, because of his acting skills, he used to be a good boxer, amateur. He creates a fake persona of this mad European count <laughs> and who's crazy and like, will eat live chickens before matches on stage. And the crowd go crazy for him. And, the, and he gets in the opponent's minds because they think he actually is crazy. Uh, but he's playing a role. Uh, that's what happens in, in volume one. But then things start to escalate in volume two. And there's many different tiers that you can go check out on uh, on Kickstarter. And we have a link to it as well. Definitely check it out because you have different options if you want just digital or if you want something that's going to include both theatrics one and two, which I find, you know, very, very awesome because some people are like, you know what, this I, I like Neil's work. Let me try. Let me check this out. I haven't seen this yet, um, which I'm like, are you living under a rock? What's what's wrong with you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but could you tell us a little bit about the different options that people may have or, or do have for your Kickstarter? I am so bad at this. I'm so unprepared because I don't know. There's a team of guys who put stuff together of what different people may want. But what I would honestly say, though, is if you've never tried any of this, if you've never tried a comic, if you go on, on the, the website, you can read it for free and see what you, if, what you think of the story. And if the story grabs you, then you can have more tears. There's things like T-shirts or models of the characters or, or digital books or, or my other books as well. There's lots of things. But that's kind of irrelevant. That's for really, if I'm honest, for fans who already know what, what the stuff I do. If you're new to this, I I, I I love comics. I think, so I'm sorry to go all philosophical here. No, but, please. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I talk to schools and universities about this. And this, the uh, I genuinely believe comics are one of the best forms of communicating ideas to multiple people. And they're a gateway to get people reading. If you look in America, regardless of socioeconomic background, Young children who read comics do be- read more books and do better in school than kids who don't read comics. Uh, there's, there's such a distraction now with social media and video games that not enough people are reading. And that when you read, it takes you to a different world. And I think everyone should read books. Everyone should play video games. Everyone should read comics. Everyone should watch f- some films. There are so many mediums and they all have their advantages. But you shouldn't just get locked into one and, uh, and only be a gamer, um, for example. Uh, so... I encourage people to not just read my comics, but any comics in general, because there is definitely one for everyone. There, I'm off my soapbox. I'll stop preaching. <laughs> but it's it, it's like what you said is right. Like the the idea of like just be sticking to one medium. Like you should definitely go explore all the different varieties out there. And one of the things I find fascinating, like when you go to Comic Con and stuff, is to see how much a lot of these different interests kind of uh, overlap. For example, like one of my coworkers is super into wrestling and he jokes and calls us nerds, but then we'll both go to Comic-Con and we'll both find something we love because there's a lot of wrestling fans that are also comic book fans and a lot of video game fans are also, you know, these kind. like there's just so many things that overlap and it's so awesome. In comic books nowadays, it's not just superheroes and tights, you know, saving the day and it gets like a nice little bow on top and everything's all good and fuzzy feelings. There is some dark stuff like <clears throat> Twisted Dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, uh, it's funny. It, in 2005, I, I looked this up. Um, I think it's 2005. Nine out of the top 10 best-selling uh, graphic novels of the year were superheroes. Mm-hmm. Just, I think, 12 years later, 
only one was, that was Batman. The rest were all independents. And it used to be dominated by males, uh, consumership, and mostly teenage males. But because the content shifted, the consumers changed as well. And now it's split 50-50 male-female, which is a wonderful thing because there is genuinely something for, for everyone. And I, that's one of the things I love. Like when people are like, oh, what comics are you reading? And I sit there and I think like the ones that I'm actively currently like trying to get all the trades for because honestly, who I have a huge stack on my uh, my table right now that I need to read, honestly, but I keep buying them <laughs> because one of these days I'm going to have time to just power through and read all 20 of them. But like there's so much variety, whether you want the superheroes, you want something that's more, you know, personal, like where it's like real life human beings dealing with real life human being stuff. Um, or even stuff that you might never get to experience or anything like that. And it's just so fascinating. And I, I've been in love with comic books since I think I was 13 years old. And I just love the way it's gone, how inclusive it's gotten to be. Because I, I, there always felt like there's this gatekeeping kind of mentality, whether you dabbled in it. I mean, there still is. Um, you people like, oh, you like superheroes? Okay, name all the superhero spouses parents names like something stupid like that and it's not the case anymore it's like we're allowed to be fans of something and not be a hundred percent like devoted or like in like just into it you know <laughs> I, I i totally know that when, when people I, I i meet for the first time and they find out i make comics they start trying to talk to me about superheroes um i don't know some of the things they're talking about because just to <laughs> like comics doesn't mean i like superheroes by default mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the reason why superhero comics are still around and why they're still relevant, not just because of the nostalgia factor, but because they have made them more human, more gritty, you know, like back, like I never, it's really hard for them to, I think, to make a Superman movie because he's too perfect. It, it, it's, it's just, it doesn't feel believable. And even like Captain America, I was super worried when they were going to make that movie. I'm like, he's just a good old boy. What do you mean? Like, how am I going to relate to him? He's got nothing that's, you know, real and they did a phenomenal job and so i think doing that in the comic books giving people backstories that whether they're tragic or not or just just relatable i feel like that's the only reason why superhero comics have been able to pers uh, persist and you know we have more and more popularity with more inclusion we get more characters of you know people of color of different uh you know races and genders and uh, sexual orientation and it's just like such a good time to be a comic book fan i think but like i said go to kickstarter today check out theatrics get the second one there's so many different options for you to choose from if you just want digital if you want the hard uh the hardcover i even saw some other tiers uh you know like full day writing sessions for super fans and stuff those are packages you're definitely going to want to check out you know, you can get drawn into a comic like it, there's so much awesome stuff. And like I said, Neil is phenomenal. He's one of my favorite writers just because I don't know, maybe it's because I'm weirdo, but you're such a nice person in real life. And then to like read these stories and be like, what the heck's up with him, man? <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty it's it's a. It's a I don't know. Maybe it's just because, like, eh, you're my buddy. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> oh, it, thank it, you. it just shows how it, much talent and how your imagination really can expand. <laughs> oh, cheers. Uh, Spacey, you're calling me a secret psychopath. I appreciate that. Thank you, Vicky. I mean, I call a lot of people that, so it is a compliment, I think. <laughs> um, but, no, definitely check it out. You can go to our Facebook page. You can see a link there. Definitely follow them on social media as well. Um, anything else you'd like us to like, you'd like your followers, your listeners or people who are just now, you know, learning about you and your comics to know, putting you on the spot. 
Um, no, just just that I honestly do love comics. I mean, if you haven't ever tried one, do try it. And there's something for everyone. Like, I don't write romance, for example, but there are some great romance comics out there. There's one of my favorites is called um, uh, Let's Play. Also, it's free on webtoons. Uh, if you like superhero stuff, there's a ton of great stuff. I recommend uh, Hawk, Hawkeye. I, I'm recommending other people's stuff I, I, just because I do love comics and I'd love people to give it a shot. <laughs> and if you want to try, if you want some of my stuff for free, it's on tpubcomics.com. And see what see what we have, but uh, and don't forget, uh, definitely join their mailing list. You get awesome emails about all their new updates and everything going on. So it's definitely worth being on there. Thank you very much for your time, Vicky. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. Likewise. Awesome. That is really cool that uh, you were able to spend some time with him. I know from across the pond, it was actually uh, like nighttime dinner time for him. So oh. I very much appreciate. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like eight or nine hours ahead of yeah, us. Yeah. So, so uh, like by the, of the time of the recording, I very much appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> that he, uh, not, not so much that he stayed up late, but he like, you know, carved out a little time for us. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, he's been a really good friend of the show and hopefully he can come back stateside with, uh, some, uh, comic book ventures and comic book conventions, uh, in the near future. I mean, all that stuff is sort of coming back now. So very excited for all of that. Finally. Yeah. Right. Uh, we are always talking on Wednesdays or at least for the next couple of weeks, uh, Loki. Because it is on Disney Plus and it drops on Wednesdays. Now, what we do and what I've stated as before is like this is not for episode five, which just dropped today. Uh, no, we wait a week so that way you can go back and maybe uh, you can rewatch episode four, listen to us, and then go into episode five fresh. It's kind of a fun way to do that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just binge them all and then binge our podcasts in the middle of each one. Wouldn't that be fun? I just gave you guys all a new way. Right. To listen and watch and experience Loki. I don't know if you're going to do it or not, but it'd be kind of fun if you did. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But this is for episode four, which was... uh, The Nexus event. Yes, the Nexus event. And it was a big one, but also kind of subdued. I was really interested because when uh, before I had seen it, a lot of people on the old social media, I was able to mostly avoid spoilers, but then also uh, it seemed like a lot of people were... I don't want to say poo-pooing the episode, but they were just like, yeah, it was it was kind of slow, but I didn't feel that. I had maybe lowered expectations because of that, but this episode uh, answered a few questions, mm-hmm. uh, raised a ton I of other questions, um, but overall, I was really excited for it because halfway through this series, because it's a six-episode limited series... This is the point where you need to turn stuff on its head and get us to that final that final point. And this one really kind of did that because we got to see uh, what the t- the timekeepers are, what they're made of, literally, and uh, so much more. But let's kind of go back to uh, the beginning of the episode, or even d- uh, back to the third episode where they were getting ready to run to the Ark because they were on uh, what was it, Lamentus or La- mm-hmm. Lateris or uh, whatever Lateralis. I know that's a Tool uh, album, um, eh. but there was uh, the the one. doomed planet that there was going to be no way to get off. Actually, the doomed moon because a planet was crashing into it. Well, turns and finds out that the arc that they were going to try to get onto to maybe cause a divergence in the uh, timeline and maybe get themselves saved, well, that crashed and they were pretty much screwed. And that's where we saw them, literally sitting on a rock waiting for the end of the world and just be like, well, we almost did it. We almost made it. They're almost holding hands. They're almost sharing a plate of spaghetti. They're almost looking longingly into each other's eyes. And apparently this sort of bond that they're forming, would we call it love? 
I think we would have to call it love because apparently that was the Nexus event big enough for the TVA to spot them and save them. But it's also, it was different than any of the other Nexus events. Like, because one that kind of said that, like, we've never seen something like this before. But if you always notice the way Nexus events go, they go kind of forward. Yeah, they they kind of creep forward a little bit. Yeah, They go up and start their own, basically, line up and forward. This one was going up. Yeah, just straight up. And it was just skyrocketing to the, uh, I guess, the danger zone that the timekeepers have stated. And I had to go back and like kind of re, uh, like even just kind of re research what it meant to have the sacred timeline and what the timekeepers are trying to do because it makes everyone think that the TVA uh, is going out there and deleting all of the timelines. And it's like, no, there are multiple timelines still out there. It's just they're going out there and deleting the timelines that. Uh, the timekeepers have deemed to be more to be more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point in time, we don't even know what that means because when we finally get through the episode, the TVA does manage to save both Lokis from their uh, ineb- inevitable doom. Um, uh, we get the confrontation with the timekeepers, and it's like they went to a Chuck E. Cheese and are hanging out in front of the animatronic uh, band. Where's my pizza? Yeah, they no pizza, just animatronic timekeepers because one gets its head chopped off and it's... Well, first off, when I saw them, I was like, these guys are hokey as F. Although the first time we saw them at the beginning of the episode, I'm like, that's creepy. Why am I watching this in the dark? <laughs> Did you get frightened by them in the... Because all I see was like weird figures and eyes. Yeah. And I was like, I don't like this. I know. You oh, you get so easily frightened by so many things. It's mostly just like visuals, I realize. Because hearing about certain things doesn't bother me, I'm, I'm finding out. But seeing it, that freaked me out for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. So it was very it was very interesting to see the, how, that, how that happens and then... You know, they realized, okay, they're back at square one. They don't know who is the, I guess, now timekeeper because there's one of them or multiple. We don't know. There were three animatronic nobodies that aren't anybody. And so we're back to we don't know who is controlling the timeline, who is controlling the TVA, other than the fact that now we know and it is confirmed that all the TVAs are all the agents are variants Mm -hmm. and that they did have past memories that were repressed, um, which Mobius and then I think was it C-16 or C-20? I think C-20, I think, was the one that went cuckoo. Yeah, was the one. Yeah, went. Yeah. Hunter B-15. Yeah. And Hunter B-15 was the other one who was uh, uh, touched in the Roxxon warehouse, the Roxmart, Mm -hmm. by uh, Lady Loki, Sylvie, with her enchantment. And it was like, you did something to me there. What did you do? So they go back to the Rock Smart. One, because it's not going to cause any kind of Nexus event. They're not going to, you know. It's safe. It's, not, it's, it's safe. a safe place to talk. And she can use her magic there. Exactly. So it works that way. And then at that point in time, yes, discovered you were a real person. You were from Earth, which is interesting because all of them were from Earth, apparently, at this point in time. And she turns and is very integral to having them, even when they're in the timekeeper's um, uh, office. Office. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That uh, she was the one that helped them kind of get free, get loose, because she popped their uh, little necklaces off and made it happen. Mm -hmm. Like, really made that entire scene happen. So it was more, again, more answers and questions, because we do get the answer that they're not... um, well, they're not on the up and up, but we don't know who the timekeepers really are, 
what they are, what they might possibly be. Speculation is running rampant. I'll highly doubt that it's Mephesto. I'll just say that right now. Mephesto! And we might not even get an answer by the end of this series. Mm-mm. All of these things, uh, including WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they have been focusing on the characters while answering some questions about the world, the time, how magic works, but they leave a lot of stuff open-ended towards the end. Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting episode because it makes me think that Owen Wilson's character must be really important, and maybe he's not, even though he did get vaporized first. He, yeah. And Joe and I were talking off-air, and they basically did what we always saw in The Walking Dead. Somebody gets a sort of enlightened moment, has a bit of a speech, is about to, uh, you know, kind of maybe embark on the next journey of their life because they found something out, and then they get gacked, and suddenly they're dead. Yeah, because, you know, we see at the end of the episode, of course, Loki also gets gacked, but he's not dead, you know. Cause if they you watch the, the end credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, <laughs> Very important because there hasn't been a mid-credit scene uh, for this show yet, but there was one for this one. So if you haven't seen that, go back and watch that because we're going to spoil that too. Yeah, because I, uh, I had to go back and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, he hasn't met the timekeepers yet. And apparently no one has. Right. Maybe the chick that was the bad, that turned bad in this episode may have, but it makes me think that maybe he has something to do with that because obviously we see the purging doesn't necessarily kill you. So I'm like, maybe he's the timekeeper. His name is Mobius. I don't know. It's so weird to me because it was such a quick death for a character that was really pivotal to the series. Like, you know, they can't. Well, one, it's also Owen Wilson. You can't have a big name like that. <laughs> yeah. Just go out. And then once that happened to Loki, you're like, no, that's OK. How are you bringing them back? What, where, what, what's going on? Yeah. And then the other question I was left with, is this an actual female Loki or is this not a Loki? I still don't know because it seems so weird to have a love story connection between two of the same people you know but even uh even mobius even like laughed about it was like it makes the most sense you're such a narcissist loki that the only person that you could fall in love with was yourself yeah yeah and it stands to reason that it was a lady loki just in terms of like an actual loki because of the opening sequence where we see young child her being taken away for having some sort becoming a variant for some reason we don't know why, because even the woman who caught her, which was the judge, which I'm forgetting um, her name. Ra- was it Ra- Ravana? Ravana, Ravana, yeah, exactly. I want to call her Ravenna, but it's close right. enough on that. Uh, she was the one who originally captured this Loki, which seems to be the reason why she has such a focused um, effort on this, because... It was her mess up. Yeah, because... Her boo-boo. Yeah, yep, yep. The the Loki was able, she was able, even as a child, to get away, grab her little, uh, uh, her time pad, and then, uh, you know, F out of there. And literally live in apocalypses and grow up in apocalypses for at least 20 years, maybe even more, because I'm, I I can't really kind of judge her age at this point. Well, but that, it, and she's jumping around to different age periods, and she's a god, so I think Loki's like, what, 1,500 years old or something like that? Oh, gosh, you're right. It could actually be even longer than yeah. I was thinking. I was like, oh, maybe like two decades. Literally, it could be thousands of years, potentially. Whatever two decades is to a god. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, my initial thought was maybe the contact of two of the same person in a timeline causes a huge nexus event, no matter what it is. But then I thought about, we saw Steve Rogers come into contact with himself back when they in Endgame, and yeah. there was no really big problem there. And, and they've we, and they've already mentioned that the fact that that was uh, okay, to happen. yeah, that was supposed to happen. And so. we see Loki's at the end of this season or the episode that makes me think that that's <laughs> not a thing. So the reason why I think it might be interesting if she isn't a Loki is because they pluck her really early as an orphan, and the best place to keep her in time is with the Time Lords. Was essentially. she an orphan? 
Well, we assume she was an orphan if she's a Loki. Well, I mean, because I thought they got Loki as a baby. They, yeah. they, well, yeah, they like got our, Frost Giant. Our, our, our Loki Frost Giant as a baby. Well, and that stands to reason also if she's such a big variant, like that isn't the variant event because why would they wait until she's like eight or nine for that to mm-hmm. happen? I think that's another mystery that will, I'm hoping, will be solved in I, the next two episodes. I have a, it's not, not necessarily like this is what I think is going to happen, but mm-hmm. it's an idea of what it's a possibility because we know Loki has changed his gender or has changed his gender in the comics and I think even in uh, mythology and everything like that. Yep. So I'm wondering if Loki started off just like our Loki and then found out, hey, look, I am very gender fluid and I can change my gender at will. And that in itself is going to cause some problems. And just became the preferred way for that Loki to be. Mm-hmm. Their preferred gender. Which would be interesting on that. It's like, no, we need you to be a boy Loki so that A, B and C and all the way through Z can happen. Mm-hmm. But nope, you're already stuck on this. We got to eliminate this. Yeah, just, I don't know. It's a weird storyline to go down to have a love story between yourself because I don't see how it ends up being a happy ending kind of a thing. Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> I don't think they're going to ride off into the sunset marrying each other or well, something. And we don't even know. Yeah. And we don't even know how this Loki deals with, uh, you did make allusions to it, all of the other Lokis that mm-hmm. we saw at the end of it. it oh, was, that was fantastic. But it was so hilarious too because Vicky was like, is that is it was there a mid scene? I was like, yeah, yeah, and it's huge, it's gigantic, it's Ooh. mammoth, and you're like, oh, oh crap, I gotta go back and watch it. Because somebody made a comment about mid scenes, and I'm like, is it just a coincidence, or is there a mid scene? And this there very much is. Yeah. So the big thing, and uh, Joe, I know that you were uh, kind of pissed off about the fact that uh, the time ke- uh, they were in the timekeeper office, as we've been calling it. Both Lokis, they're you know next to each other. Loki's about. Uh, our Loki is about to literally profess his love to Lady Loki, and he gets gashed. Oh, he gets yeah. he gets he gets uh, charge sceptered just like uh, Mobius did. Many other the other ones get. He gets Ooh, vaporized, and I was like, that, "Isn't that what the Grandmaster uses?" Ooh. Something like that, or is it? Is there's more slimy? I don't remember. Oh yeah, no, it was a slime stick. It was, was a slime, slime stick. stick. Yeah, okay. they turned into slime. But that was a good call. Like I, you almost got me on that I was one. Like, Wait a minute, huh? But so. We're like, okay, and a lot of people were like, no, that's actually, that's very interesting. What if they're just doing like, okay, we're getting rid of Tom Hiddleston as the Loki. We're introducing this Loki, and this is how we're going to be doing it. But then we get to the mid credit scene where here's Loki, and he's like, am I dead? And then he sees... What I first thought was three other Lokis in a post-apocalyptic area quickly turned out to be maybe four Lokis because we see a a big burly uh, Loki, which is known in the credits as Boastful Loki, um, which was a uh, a black individual wielding what looked like Mjolnir or at least a gold-plated version of some mm-hmm. sort of hammer, and then we got Kid Loki which was uh, apparently also a nod to the Young Avengers, which we've seen a lot with, like, Wiccan, Speed. Uh, the new Hawkeye is going to be having Kate with that as well. And, I mean, hell, even Enchantress uh, in the comic books was a Young Avenger. Um, and then Old Man Loki, I don't know what they're calling him, but just an old Loki, uh, with the original comic book. Classic Yoki. Yeah. Cl- classic Yoki. Loki. <laughs> Yoki. <laughs> classic, yeah. That is really hard to say. Classic Loki with the old stool, old school. Oof. Classic Loki with the old school costume. There we go. And, and I'm looking, by the way, that stick isn't a slime stick. It is a dissolvy stick. Okay. 
So very similar. Very similar. All right. And then finally, uh, Kid Loki was carrying a lizard, which people are calling Lizard Loki at this point. I thought it was Alligator Loki. Yeah, Gator Loki. I'm not really even sure. Some people are naming it Lizard Loki. It wasn't named, so we don't know. I'm just really kind of hoping this isn't the way of like Howard the Duck and like Cosmo the Space Dog and stuff like that. I know that they mentioned it in Ragnarok that he didn't he turn him into a frog. Uh, A snake. Like, he turned uh, no. into a... But, like, I think there was a time he mentioned that Loki turned him into a frog, Thor, into a frog. Oh. Which was a an, an, uh, nod to Frog Thor, I believe. <laughs> of course, there's probably a Frog Thor I think there was somewhere. a comic series of, like, Thor as a frog. Oh, gosh. And... I'm, it would make sense, I guess. I mean, there's all sorts of different weird things that they can go with that. Uh, but it was very interesting to see all of those Lokis, because now it leads... Uh, the question, well, the uh, the question was answered. What happens after you get turned, you know, vaporized? Well, this Loki got sent to an apocalypse to hide out. How did they manage to do that with all these other Lokis? But now, why is this whomever that is running the TVA? Why are they plucking a uh, people to become their you know their their workers why are they plucking them from the timeline and using these specific ones and why are they so set on pruning so many different lokis at this point in time yeah i was really glad there was an after credit scene for this and not that i would have been really angry but it would have been a pretty lame death for mm-hmm. for loki Dude, at that point yeah if they would have left it hanging at that point i would have been mad especially since it would have been like the sixth time in the series they've done the we've eliminated all the bodyguards and let's have a really big heart to heart and oh i get stabbed in the back somehow while you're looking right at me like he even <laughs> makes that joke it's like i have died so many times yeah. like <laughs> like, come on, you're not going to, no, do your worst. Yeah, exactly. And then they did their worst, and apparently it wasn't the worst ever. It seems like they send him to, like, time jail or something, or the, the vaporizer sticks are actually, like, teleporters, and he sent him to an apocalypse. And that's the one thing I was thinking, and a lot of speculation out there is, like, well, maybe this one was turned into a teleporter, or maybe this is just what the Lokis do. They don't die. They kind of just continue on and they fulfill whatever their obligation is like we didn't see loki um die in the main timeline the avengers infinity saga timeline until thanos did it and it was after he was able to kind of get through all of his redemption arc like the entirety Mm. of loki being able to come back and be about family maybe he's got to learn a lesson before he gets there and maybe he literally can't die like there's so many questions Oh, God, yeah, right. Uh, it made me just think of, like, when you delete a file on your computer, and, it's like, it's not technically really not deleted because you can still get it in your recycling bin. Exactly. Is this the recycling bin for Lokis? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to see what's going to happen in the next two weeks. These are going to be some big ones, so uh, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, but for now, it is time to get to... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? So if you've been living under a rock... Or like not rocks. been on our Facebook. The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I wish. No. Oh, dear. I, I feel like he would be a very loud neighbor to have above you. <laughs> uh, but if you guys haven't been on the Facebooks or anything like that, you probably have not seen the good news. What good news? That Good Omens has been renewed for season two. Interesting. Now, the one thing is I haven't seen Good Omens yet. I, I do plan on, though, um, was that when this was announced, there was a general confusion about how that they can make a second season of this. Yeah, and honestly, like, the way they wrapped it up, they don't need it. Um, like, Kind of like, uh, there's some shows that do. Like, uh, I just finished Sweet Tooth. Okay. 
And uh, definitely the very end, I'm like, okay, like <clears throat> season two, I need it now. I need to know what happens. <gasps> oh, so it's like that. Okay. And I'm just like, mother. Because <clears throat> we've only uh, completed, I think, three episodes of Sweet Tooth, and I yes. do want to get to it back to it because it's an amazing show. There is a lot of like, oh, the feels. Really? Not even like, you know, like, oh, that's like a cute puppy feels, or, you know, that's a sad. It's like real, like, oh, oh man. Okay, okay. Like, Damn. <laughs> like, all right fine why why you do me like that sweet tooth <laughs> uh but good omens wrapped up nicely like you didn't need a second season i'm excited that there's a second season hell yeah and uh for those who don't know good omens it's a neil gaiman uh story not to be confused with neil gibson who i talked to earlier <laughs> yeah right uh but we're going to be seeing david tennant and um was it? I keep wanting to say Martin Sheen. It's Michael Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come back. And they, they are so adorable, not only like on the show as the characters, but when you watch them interact, like in interviews or when the whole pandemic started, they did a lot of Zoom stuff together. They're just so freaking cute. If you haven't seen it yet, I definitely recommend going to watch it. It's quirky. There's a lot of fantastic actors in it, um, but it's still fun and easy to follow. And I it, was surprised about that. And it is on Amazon Prime, correct? Yes. Yes. It's one of their exclusive shows. Oh, okay, yeah. Have you yeah. seen it yet? I have not. Okay, I very much recommend it. Perfect. There is no, I don't think there's time travel, but there is like going through <laughs> the ages. Like, because they're... Well, they're divine it, creatures. They're divine creatures. So yeah. they've been around forever. So you'll see them in different points in time, but it's not time travel. But they're travel. not affecting timelines. So you don't have to worry about that. Or are they? But well, they are causing knows. mischief. Well, yeah. Well, why wouldn't they? I mean, they are trying to mess with prophecy. So and I we're guess. already talking about gods of mischief on this episode. So right. it kind of makes sense it all there. Works together. Speaking of gods of mischief, Uh-oh. an author who we all loved for what they brought to us He's had a lot of moments where I'm like, really, bro? Uh-oh. Oh, no. I have a feeling I know who this is. Is this Alan Moore? No. Oh, I'm okay. talking about George R.R. <laughs> R. R. Martin. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Usually usually the hot button items uh, from uh, the nerddom either comes from Alan Moore or George R.R. R. Martin, so I'm right. glad to see that it is now the latter. And it's, it's like, I'm not necessarily mad at him, but I'm just like, really? Because <laughs> he's saying, like, he revealed that his final book will have a different ending than the show. It's like, well, no crap. Well, yeah, and hopefully it's not going to go as quickly as... Um, that last, well, the last two seasons went. Now, here was a fun thing, too. Uh, I read, and maybe it was on Reddit or something like that, so who knows the validity of it, but somebody was mentioning or somebody had posted that it's like, I work as a, uh, not with HBO, but I work as a marketing distributor for other stuff um, that deal with the um, with the franchise and deal with the marketing of, uh, of you know, putting out toys and mm-hmm. all the Game of Thrones, stuff like that. And he said basically once season eight dropped or finished that... Uh, based all of like nobody wanted to touch Game of Thrones stuff anymore. And people were sending back like merchandise because it was essentially like nobody wanted it. The interest level went from a hundred to zero so is fast that, because like, of the last season. Oh, well, I was going to say, is it because the last season aired or because when the last season was about to start? No, when the last season ended. Yeah. Ooh, after it had yep. all aired and the whole thing was over and everyone was like, well, that's crap. Let's move on. And I don't hear anybody talking about even wanting to go back and like revisit Game of Thrones and like rewatch it all because yeah, the first six seasons were fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
And then it was like they got the rap signal, and it was done. They're like, just hurry. like, no, we got to get out of here. I know uh, Benioff and Weiss wanted to do their Star Wars thing, so they just wanted to get the hell out of this. And, well, um, they didn't get the Star Wars thing because of how badly this went. <laughs> so bad. Uh, on top of that, what was it? Uh, well, we do have another, like a prequel coming out, and it's probably going to come out sometime either next year or the year after. Yeah. So, I, mean, I will definitely still watch it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to, right? Yeah. As, as, as nerds, I feel that we should watch it. Especially but, since there was love there or for, at some point for Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. Uh, one, I do have to throw in a meme because it's been a minute. <laughs> and it's a conversation. It's, it's one of those headcanons. Okay. For those who don't know what a headcanon is, it's like somebody who, or something, like you believe this is probably what would have happened and you just kind of accept it as your own personal like truth in a, uh, whether it's a series or whatever um, fandom it is. Yeah, so it's usually like something that maybe they don't mention, but you're like, to me, this is why this thing happened, mm-hmm. even if it's not explicitly mentioned or brought up. Right, or even if like... It- like, for example, these two characters, I don't even think they actually had any real interactions with each other. Um, so the headcanon is Thor is watching the, the Dora train from Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is very interesting. T'Challa watching Thor watch the training of the Dora. He's unsure how to proceed. He's like, really? Because Wakanda has a rich history of elite special forces made exclusively of women, and we take great pride in them. Thor says, wonderful, but I was referring to their fighting style. It's very different from the Valkyrie of Asgard. I wish to learn it, if possible. And T'Challa, speechless. Thor is like, when I was little, I wanted to be a Valkyrie. T'Challa, breathing a sigh of relief. I was inconsolable for a week when Mother told me that I wasn't allowed to join the Dora. T'Challa, I refuse to leave my room. Thor says, I refuse to eat. Shuri filming this from behind a pillar. Oh, God, there's two of them. (laughs) (laughs) And that was actually, I mean, to be perfectly honest, in Thor Ragnarok, uh, Thor did mention to the Valkyrie uh, that he to, wanted to, yeah, be to Valkyrie. Valkyrie that he wanted to be one. So that kind of like all of that, that tracks. <laughs> it all tracks. So I'm yeah, I'm okay with that. I just love seeing like all the behind the scenes like bits and pieces and people creating their own headcanon because like you, they, I don't think the Thor and Tatala ever talked in the movies. But I could totally see something like this happening. Yeah, I mean, they do end up meeting up uh, in Wakanda for the big mm-hmm. last battle, but they're in the middle of a giant fight. They're not necessarily talking and getting to know each other. Yeah, exactly. I think the biggest uh, meet and greet out of all of that was when Groot met uh, Captain America. <laughs> I am Steve Rogers. Uh, I will say I was reading like behind like details from behind like that you never noticed in these movies, and it made me really want to rewatch Black Panther. Oh, uh, where. There's a point where, is it, what's his name? Is it Umbaku? Umbaku. Umbaku. I love that you knew who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Umbaku, I think, was like threatening Shuri or something. Mm -hmm. And like all the Dora start putting their like their spears out. But if you notice, like maybe one or two of them are pointing it at Umbaku. The others are like doing it to kind of like keep Suri ba- uh, Suri back. And yeah. same with her mother. She put her arm out like, don't. And Suri <laughs> doesn't move. She doesn't flinch when he like says anything to her. They're like, oh, you don't want to mess with this one. Yeah, yeah, She yeah. crazy. She's tiny, but she crazy. Uh, sounds like somebody maybe in this room not <laughs> saying You're any not tiny. names there. You're right. I'm not tiny. <laughs> and Joe's not tiny. Nope. Who could we be talking about except for maybe our own little X-23 over there? <laughs> That's you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a tiny terror. Yeah, you, yeah you're, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> Until next time, guys, stay nerdy. <laughs>